0: We started last week a series called Be Kind, and it came on the heels of uh, the series regarding the person, work, and power of the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about this theme for a couple of reasons. Number one, this theme will be uh, all throughout VBX week. We're going to be talking about kindness, and it's great for us to kind of set our hearts on these thoughts as we get ready for that week, but secondly, it's that I pray we would all become more like Christ and would help be kind to the people around us to help them see the love of Christ and to be drawn to the Lord in the way that we live. And so I pray that the Lord is speaking to us during this. Could we just do two things as we pray? Number one, can we pray for VBX together? And just ask the Lord to do some incredible things in the hearts of children and families because we get an opportunity to interact with them as well. And then secondly, can we just pray for ourselves? Lord, help us to be kind and to hear what you would say to us today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts. We feel this sense of being on a journey with you, Lord, and we believe you're doing incredible things in our hearts, and we know there are many incredible things ahead. And so, Lord, today we pray for VBX. We ask that it be the most incredible opportunity, the most incredible event, the most incredible gathering of people that maybe EPAG's ever seen and experienced, that this would just be a powerful week together, and uh, many people would get the opportunity to experience all the hard work that's gone into it, but more than anything, that they would experience your life-changing power, and that families and even generations will be changed because of all that goes into this, and we thank you, Lord, for that work, and now we pray also that you work in our hearts, that even in this moment... And the moments ahead this coming week that uh, we will be changed, we'll be transformed, and we continue to grow to live as Christ would live. Uh, Speak to us through your word, and I pray that you would use me, God, to, to articulate what you desire. And thank you, Lord, for everyone who's online and on campus, and I pray that your hand be upon them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I have to tell you this morning before we get started... I feel like we got a little bit of subliminal messaging going on today. Uh, I walked in my office this morning, and on my desk was a box with a brand new watch in it. I think somebody's trying to tell me to preach shorter. (laughs) And then we're giving out soap for fathers. And to Pastor Cynthia's point, the ladies picked it out. So I don't know what the messaging is, but... uh, Interpret it for yourself. Last week we talked about life in the Spirit and how there should be this overflow in our lives. The Holy Spirit is much more than just sensing some emotionalism or a goosebump, or even, even if God's doing a work when we're together in these moments, the Holy Spirit is so much more than just when we're at church. We are the church, and the Holy Spirit wants to help us live every day in our lives more like Jesus. So we asked the question last week, what is spilling out of our lives? Is there evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit? Or when we're pressed, when we're squeezed, when we're in a moment, in a pinch, when we're living our lives, is there evidence that we're doing this thing on our own, in our own flesh, in our own ways? And last week we talked about this idea, this understanding of kindness, being on display because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Kindness being at work in our actions. That our actions can actually have impact on how other people perceive Christ and how other people perceive Christ's followers. And the last thing we want is for people to look at Christ's followers, you and me, and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Right? We want people to see us live and hear us live in a way that attracts them, if we can use that terminology, that attracts them to what we have at work in our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit, to the relationship with Jesus, and, and they would see and want what's going on in our lives. Well, if we can say that with kindness, we can certainly say the same is true with our words. What we say affects perception the perception of Christ and Christ's followers And we can either be uplifting and encouraging to people, or our words can be used to destroy and tear down. Words have power. Are you with me so far? Words have power. The old saying was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. At least that's the way I grew up saying it. I keep hearing other words, so maybe the South is just wrong. I don't know. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The reality is it's not even true. Now, it's true that actions speak louder than words when it comes to setting an example. But that does not mean that our words are powerless. Powerless. Maybe you've been the recipient of thoughtless words or angry tones from someone else. Maybe today you're a student sitting in here and you've just finished a year in school and you experienced thoughtless words or angry tones from hurtful classmates. Maybe you've interacted with strangers and it just seemed like you caught them on the wrong day. They were, they were in a mood, they were dealing with a lot of things and they took it out on you. Or maybe... You grew up in a home or with a family that said, I love you, but with the flip of the coin would speak unloving things towards you. Or maybe you've been one of those whose words or tones have injured others, with or without realizing it. I found that as human beings, we have a tendency to justify or rationalize what we do and use those things as an excuse. So if I said the wrong thing or said it in the wrong attitude, well, that's just my personality. Or maybe I'm just a redhead. No offense to anybody in the room today. I'm just like my mom or my dad. Or maybe the big one that we would use as the biggest reason to why we say and do things sometimes the way we say and do them, I was provoked. Somebody did something to me first. Some of the overarching scripture for our series comes from Galatians chapter 5. Most of you are familiar with this, I'm sure. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I trust that today our prayer in this room and our prayer gathered online today as well is to grow to the point that these fruits, these characteristics are dominating our lives. We want to be a people who don't just get friendly with people in the church setting, but we want to be people who are loving and joy-filled and peace-filled, people who are patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and have self-control in our day-to-day lives. This means we're growing to a place where, as the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, we learn to act rather than reacting. That it doesn't matter what happens or what someone says, we don't allow that to be a trigger point for us. Instead, we act rather than reacting in love, even if someone else is not. And we don't use reasons or excuses to remain the same. We daily ask the Holy Spirit to be at work in us to make us more the way we need to be, and to help us to live that way. And when He is at work in us, I believe even our words and the way we speak can change. On our own, our words and our angry attitudes will happen without much thought. I mean, honestly, it's... Easy that every day of our lives we could be upset by something. We could be tempted to spout off. Our world today is full of erring thoughts and opinions with no regard, no consideration for other people. After all, we have a right to our opinion. We have a right to share it. We have a right to be heard James wrote in James chapter 3 that the tongue, while being a very small part of the body, can cause really big harm, a lot of harm. That the tongue, on our own, no human being can tame. That we must grow in the life by the Spirit so that what overflows in our lives is not the flesh, but instead is more like Christ. Now, Scripture has a lot to say about words, a lot. And there's no way today that we could get through every scripture that deals with speech and attitudes and words. But I want to share a few with you and a few thoughts that go with them that will help us reflect on these themes. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, just in this one verse of Scripture, we can take away two, maybe three different thoughts. First of all, we're not to use foul or abusive language. The idea is that even if we are in a place where we're surrounded by foul or abusive language, we shouldn't succumb to the language of our culture. Now, at risk of sounding legalistic to some or rule-keeping to some... I would just say to you, when I think about the things we're talking about today, I think, how would Christ handle this? How would He live? And I do not believe Jesus would stoop to the level of perverse joking or foul language no matter what place He was in. So even if we're surrounded by that, God wants to purify our speech so that we don't stoop to that place, but instead we honor God in what we say. Another thought from this verse comes when we think about the times that we've been encouraged by people in our lives. How many of you have ever had someone that has come to you and you knew God was certainly using them to encourage you in your life? Aren't you grateful for those moments? I mean, really. I've had moments in life where people didn't even know what was going on, but God used them. They were obedient to God to come and say something to me that was tremendously encouraging, tremendously timely, something I needed to hear to be encouraged, just... um, Just a few weeks ago, now I'll admit to you, I didn't necessarily have this massive thing going on in my life, but just a few weeks ago, someone gave me a letter. And i got to tell you, pastors receiving letters uh, scares us. And and if you want me to throw it away quickly, don't put your name on it. That one didn't get as many laughs. Okay. I got a letter just uh, within the last couple of weeks. And it was one of the most encouraging letters that I could ever receive. I have a picture of it. So if I ever have one of those moments where I need encouragement, I can go back and pull that up and read it. It was talking about how the the church had been through this leadership transition within the last... Seven, eight months—however long it's been now—and and and how you know a lot of times people dread uh, transitions and wonder what it's going to be like and is everything going to be okay and so on and so on. And some of the personal stuff doesn't matter in, in this context. But I was just very encouraged to know how wonderfully God's been working through all of this. Thankful for that. It's good when we're encouraged. How can we be helpful to others? How can we encourage them? I've also had the opposite in my life where people thought that they had the gift of being critical. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Criticism is not a gift of the Spirit, just so you know. It's not a fruit of the Spirit either. Instead of of always being a person who's pointing out what's wrong, or always being critical, or always telling people what they should be doing, it's better for us to be helpful and to encourage them. And sometimes it just comes down to the old principle. If you can't say anything nice... Don't say anything at all, which I'm going to get ahead of myself for a moment, but I can tell you before we're done today, you're going to learn one of the best things when we talk about our tongue and our tones, one of the best things to remember is sometimes we should just be quiet. We could stop right there, probably, and some of you would be happy. We should look to build others up and not tear others down. When you read about... Don't use foul or abusive language in the context of Ephesians 4.29. Another translation reads, don't use corrupt communication. The idea communicated here in Ephesians 4.29 is something that is decaying or rotting and how it begins to smell. When we talk like this in foul ways or abusive ways, when we're not encouraging others, I think we can safely say it begins to stink in the nostrils of God. Now, Pastor Chris, I didn't I didn't say it to them. I just said it about them. When I moved when we moved as a family to Minnesota, there were people who told me things that I would need to learn. <laughs> You're laughing because you know that list is not just a few things, I'm sure. When we moved to Minnesota, people would often talk about Minnesotans as uh, people who had uh, Scandinavian heritage or other heritage in their life that they can be typically reserved people. They can even be passive-aggressive in the way they handle life. You're laughing because you are one. And uh, the the terminology also that came to us was there are people, they they have a way about them. It's called Minnesota-nice. (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because you're laughing at this point. I, I, don't, I don't know that I fully know what Minnesota nice means yet because I'm still new to the context. And, and because I'm new to the context, I'm not sure if you're really just being Minnesota nice or if you're really just being nice at this point. But, but when I think of the idea of being Minnesota nice or when I think of the idea of someone being nice uh, in this way, it kind of hinges on this idea of I'm nice to your face But behind your back, I'm saying something different. And we can't talk about that without talking about gossip. Proverbs 26, 20 says, Fire goes out without wood and corals disappear when gossip stops. I think we've all been part of a church prayer group before that shared a prayer request. Oh, we need to pray for Sister Beulah. Beulah's a southern name. We need to pray for Sister Beulah. I heard she fill in the blank. And what might have been intended to be pure as a prayer request turned into gossip. Cliques in local churches or groups can stand around and be critical of people who... or gossip about people who are new to the church. Now, none of you do this, so I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but but you could, people can could stand around and talk about those who are coming in or talk about what they're hearing about other people. They may never say it to their face, but they're still having the conversation. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Now, you can read that in one of two ways. You can read that, but whoever repeats the matter, uh, as in doing it repeatedly, but I think there's also an idea here that whoever repeats it There's a divide that happens when gossip is involved. Gossip hurts people, it kills relationships, and it destroys trust. Gossip is this idea, uh, have you guys ever known any spoons in your life? Spoons, yeah, they're the people that keep things stirred. I've come across plenty of people in life that are like spoons. They keep things stirred and they seem to not be able to enjoy life unless there's drama going on. They like to hear drama. They like to tell drama. They're all up in the middle of the gossip. And gossip ultimately keeps things stirred. When you begin to study what gossip actually means, you can equate it to the idea of whispering Why whispering? Because ultimately it's something that you wouldn't say publicly or that you wouldn't say to the person it involves. We shouldn't tell everything we know. If if you are a trusted confidant for someone, you you should keep what you've been told confidential. Uh, There's a reason why that other than my wife, my greatest confidant lives out of state. Some of y'all caught that, some of you didn't. <laughs> uh, I, there, you're supposed to be trusted in that. And, and then not only should we not tell everything we know, we also shouldn't tell everything we think we know. Because if you've ever played the telephone game, you know that what it starts as, it doesn't end the same. Whether it was true or not, it's a different story by the time it, ends, it reaches the end of the line. People often repeat things without even knowing if it's true. Whether it's true or not, the damage to the perception and reputation of another person is done once it's shared. Proverbs 18.8 says, Gossip goes down deep into a man's inmost parts. What does it mean? It means when you say something about someone else, whether it's true or not, it's sticky. And it sticks to whomever you're telling. And now you have affected their perception of someone else. We shouldn't talk about other people's business that doesn't concern us. Let me tell you this way. Gossip will always attract listeners, but just because there's a crowd doesn't mean it's right to talk about it. To prove that gossip always attracts listeners, look at some of the magazines that are in your grocery checkout line. All the tabloids are feeding on the reality that people want to be in the know. We shouldn't talk about other people's business. We shouldn't be involved in gossip. Gossip may attract listeners, but it doesn't make it right. I have a friend who uh, a number of years ago said to me, and he was even serving in leadership capacity in the local church, and he said to me, I feel like we don't usually know any drama that's going on. We feel like we're most of the time, and he wasn't saying it's a bad thing. He said most of the time it feels like we're kind of the last people to know what's going on. And I told him, I said, that's a good thing. Number one, you're not putting yourself into a circle to entertain all of that. And secondly, you're, you're not entertaining all that. So I would encourage you today, not only does it mean us restricting from gossip and speaking it ourselves, but it's also a matter of not entertaining it. That if someone comes and wants to gossip, that we should shut it down and share with them, this is not how we should treat other people. Well, since that was so popular, let's go on to the next note. I can tell you that both services have been similar in that way. So let's talk a little bit about outsiders. And when we talk about outsiders, we mean non-believers, people who are not following Jesus. And we referenced this a little bit last week. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, "...live wisely among those who are not believers." And notice this next phrase. I love this. "...make the most of every opportunity." Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. One translation reads this, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Do you remember us talking about salt some last week and the properties of salt and how it it is contributing to what it's applied to? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive or seasoned with salt so that you will have the right response for everyone. Salt preserves, salt heals, salt enhances the flavor uh, salt makes someone thirsty for water. I talked last week about how when I eat Chinese food, I want to drink a lot of water because it's a very salt-heavy food. And when we talk, the question becomes, is our conversation attractive so that people want what we're, we're experiencing in our own lives? Is our conversation evident of our journey with Jesus, evident of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How, how do you think outsiders would feel? if they're around believers and they're hearing some of the things maybe we even just talked about, even with gossip. I mean, Jesus said, you will know my followers, that the outsiders will know his followers by that you love one another. Do you think gossip is perceived as love? No. We are supposed to represent Christ well. And, and I would tell you that we're to make the most of every opportunity, meaning that we can trust the Holy Spirit to work even in the moments that we might would consider small and insignificant. He can do some great things. When you, when you reach across that counter and you take that cup of coffee you just purchase wherever your favorite place is, You don't know how great the impact can be of your words, of your smile, of your interaction with that person across the counter. You don't know who has spoken down to them, who has treated them like dirt. You don't know what they've been experiencing even that day. Your kindness and the love of Christ through you can actually help change the trajectory of their day and maybe even their life. I would also go far enough to say... We can say the right things and have passion for the right things, but we can do it in the wrong way. Many Christians have been known, especially in the last decade, for doing this. There have been some Christians who are really passionate about certain topics, and rightfully so but the way they've handled communicating that has come off to people that they are full of hate rather than full of love for reconciliation between them and God. Have conversations about hot topics, but do it in relationships with people where love abounds and not with just a picket sign from across the road. I think part of the challenge with believers is this tension between grace and truth. Because the Bible says that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. How do we have compassion and grace while also not compromising the truth? What I have found is that many times in the lives of believers, they struggle with this tension and they err to one extreme or the other. They go to the extreme of grace to the point that nothing matters and no matter what you ever do, nothing's going to separate you from God. No sin matters. You can do whatever you want and you're good and golden. The other end of the extreme is they communicate truth and they have passion about it, but their passion comes off as if they hate people and they talk down to them and they call them names and labels. And somewhere in the middle, there's being like Jesus. Somewhere in the middle, it's full of grace and truth where we can love someone and have a relationship with someone that's not just like us, that maybe hasn't received Jesus, that maybe isn't on the journey with Jesus, following Jesus. We can have grace and compassion knowing that we'll never look someone in the eye that Jesus doesn't love. And eventually in that relationship, I think sometimes we're so geared to the instant that we forget God sees the long view and we can trust the Holy Spirit to work in moments, even if it takes more than one. So we don't, have to, we don't have to get so passionate about it that we come off the wrong way. We can have passionate conversations, but do so in a grace-filled, love-filled way to where they're attracted to God rather than push further away. Anybody getting what I'm saying this morning? So let's not, let's not get caught up the way the world handles things. I, listen, I may not agree with many of today's things. I, I may not agree with many of today's current issues, But that doesn't mean that me treating the person across the table poorly is gonna fix it. It's not. And when I remember that God values that soul on the other side, I can be a lot, because He valued me too. See, we forget that. He valued me too. Well, I don't do this, I don't live this way, I don't do that. The Bible says that there is... I'm going to use a southern word, so bear with me. There ain't ne'er one of us that deserves salvation. So if you start putting your place... Above everybody else, you'll never have the right interactions with other people. But when you see yourself through grace-filled eyes of God and realize what He's done in your life, you can see someone else through the eyes of grace, and you will be able to be more patient and loving and kind to help bring them on the journey with Christ rather than pushing them away. Are you with me? I think we ought to praise the Lord today for His grace. Can we do that right now? Thank you, Lord be careful. Let's make the most of every opportunity. I get it. We can be busy. We have a lot of things that we need to do. We can have a lot of things we need to take care of. I get it. Days are busy sometimes. But I would hate to know that I walk past an opportunity, one moment that could have changed someone's life. Let's be gentle and kind in all of our interactions. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. If there are any spouses online or in the room today, you know that at some point when you're having those moments of um, intense fellowship, that someone has to be the calming force. Someone has to be determined to stop arguing to stop to stop continuing to dive into the conversation and to say you know what it's not worth this somebody has to stop talking somebody has to learn to listen this idea of a general answer deflecting anger is again the idea of acting versus reacting If I always react to what's going on around me and what happens to me, I'll always be reacting. But if I'm full of the Holy Spirit and there's an overflow of the fruit of the Spirit in my life, I'm going to be able to act in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control no matter what someone else does to me. What spills out? When you're squeezed, when you're pressured, when you're tempted, what comes out of you? Here's what I find in in conversations today. We can add fuel to the fire, or we can help put the fire out, but we can't do both. And and I want to connect the dots for just a moment, and I hope this will make sense because this is not here, this is is in my heart today. When you're interacting, to connect the dots with non-believers and gentleness and kindness... And even interactions with other people too. When you're in a conversation with someone, does it matter more for you to win the argument or does it matter more that you can walk away and say, I live like Christ? I understand, and I probably could hear some of the things that people would say, well, well, the argument, the conversation is important because it's, it's about eternity, it's about sin, it's about the Word of God. I get all of that. But do you think that we're going to win these arguments by being hateful? Do you think we're going to win these arguments by yelling at people or labeling them or calling them names? I don't. I think what's going to be attractive is when people see people truly living like Christ. I find that when Jesus got upset in His ministry on earth, it was often more with the religious people than it was with people who were lost. He saw the lost people as sheep that were helpless because they didn't have a shepherd. He saw the religious people as you ought to know better. Gentleness and kindness. Can we be calming forces rather than conflict forces? Can we invite people to the table of conversation rather than pushing them away? Now, I told you before we were done we would go over this, so let's do it now. One great principle when it comes to the tongue, when it comes to our words, when it comes to our attitudes, I could almost preach this single-sentence sermon and we could call it a day. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three: Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. It's in there. It's in there. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Uh, Another way of saying or another additional thought to add to that is learning to listen rather than always having to be the one to talk. My dad growing up would always jokingly say, people have two ears and one mouth. You probably ought to listen twice as much as you talk. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Sometimes the greatest way to be kind is to say nothing at all. Some of the greatest posts you can make on social media are the ones that you deleted without posting to begin with. Sometimes it's just better to keep our mouths shut. We need the help of the Lord to do that. Now, where do all these principles apply? And I said we can't cover it all today, but where do all these principles apply? And the reality is, when we talk about words and tones, we're talking about anywhere we are, any people we interact with. It can be at work. Do we engage in gossip at work? Do we get angry with what's going on at work? Do we represent Christ well, especially if we're in a a place of work where we are interacting with non-believers, people who aren't Christ followers? Are we representing Christ well? Are we keeping in mind to make the most of every opportunity to have conversation that is seasoned with salt, that is attractive? Can't help but think on Father's Day, dads and husbands, How can we encourage those within our families? How should our tones be in our conversations? How can we speak life to them? In the local church, this applies because we know the theme of gossip, gossip always divides. And I'll end with again saying, even with social media, I hope I can get this across as clear as I want to, social media is still you. Still, you don't take liberty just because you're behind a screen to be angry and mean and destructive. Be kind, even that can be a tool for showing the kindness of Christ. Now, James told us that reigning in the tongue on our own is something that we cannot do. So, then the question becomes today how do we respond? The good news for us is our response doesn't mean that we have to wash our mouth out with soap. Although, fathers, we do have soap available in the lobby if you just so happen to need it. But what we can do is join with the psalmist in these two key prayers. We can identify the areas that we're struggling in in our lives that maybe we've covered today. And we can ask the help of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day life. Psalm 141.3 set A guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The whole heart behind this verse of Scripture. Lord, let my mouth be shut unless it's speaking something you want me to speak. Unless I'm speaking it in a way that represents you, Lord. May there be a guard over my mouth and then perhaps one of my favorites, Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Because when I talk this way, I'm honoring or dishonoring this way. And I want to always honor this way, so I want to be Christ-like this way. If you're in person, would you stand with me today If you're online, I trust you'll make a moment right now to pause and to pray and to let the Lord work in your life as well. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I've told you before, uh, but maybe you're our guest today. I'll tell it again. I don't ask you to do it just because it's some form of structure in the church service. It's more about, I really want this to be a moment where you can say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me right now? How does this apply to my life? That you're not distracted by anyone or anything else, but that you're focused on this moment with the Lord. Maybe today you can identify an area of of struggle in your life. You recognize words have power, and even the way we say things uh, has power towards those listeners, those hearers. And you're recognizing today that maybe, maybe the tones aren't always great and pleasant. Maybe instead of being kind, you've, you've been angry or impatient. Maybe you recognize today that in your life, you have grown to be more like those around you, the culture around you, and, and some of the language that's involved in your speech is not appropriate. That, that you, you're involved in telling things that's not appropriate. You're recognizing that. Maybe you're recognizing that you, you have a critical spirit or critical attitude about yourself. That it's easier for you to point out things in others' lives than it is for you to be encouraging. Maybe you recognize that you've been involved in gossip. Whether you've listened to it or maybe even been eager to be in the know or whether you've said things to people and and maybe maybe today it wasn't intentional maybe it was just that you genuinely did want someone else to pray but the way it went about maybe, maybe it said too much and you're recognizing you know there's a better way to do that maybe today you're recognizing you can set an example to non-believers in your day to day life whether it's workplace home, neighborhood family members, friends whatever the case and you want to t- make the most of every opportunity in your conversation to be gracious and attractive, seasoned with salt, so that, so that people will be attracted to Jesus. Maybe you're just recognizing today that you're struggling just, just at times to be quiet rather than speaking on everything. Whatever area it is, I have good news for you today. We've all failed and messed up in this area at some point in our lives. And God is gracious and powerful enough to help us to grow and to learn and to live differently. So today, we're going to pray a simple prayer, and I want to invite you to pray in your own way. I'm just going to get us started, and I want you to pray in your own way today. Help me, Lord, to be kind with my words. To be kind in the way that I communicate with other people. At times, Lord, to say nothing at all. And at other times, Lord, to have a pause in my life to think before I speak. Help us, Lord, to not be easily angered or easily offended. To not react, but to grow in You and You in us so that we can do what's right even if someone else has done to us is not. Help us to look for ways to encourage. To build up others. Lord, even in your word, you told us to motivate and to encourage one another. Help us to do that. Help us to value being together and in those moments encouraging one another. God, if there's any area otherwise in our lives that maybe we've not spoke on today or maybe that someone's Uh, sensing in their lives needs change. Lord, I just pray even now and throughout this week that You would work in our hearts. Set a guard over our mouths and may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to You, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. We love You, Lord. Jesus, we want to be like You. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be like Jesus. Now, the greatest application and response and the continued prayer and work of the Holy Spirit is going to come when you leave this place. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I'm going to ask that if there's anyone who's available today that would pray with those who may have needs, that you would make your way to either side of the auditorium and just be available today. If you have needs that are maybe even unrelated to the message today, there are people who will pray with you and agree with you. If you'd like prayer for healing, if you'd like prayer for strength, direction, wherever you're at in life, uh, the Lord would love to to help you. And you're welcome to stay and pray as long as you'd like. But my greatest prayer for you is that, and for me too, is that we would all learn to grow in how we live this out in our day-to-day lives. Father, would You bless and keep this people, and would You make Your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May Your countenance ever be turned their direction, Lord, and grant them Your peace. As we go from this place and deal with a variety of things that will happen from day to day, may we truly live in the Holy Spirit and He in us, and may the overflow of our lives Be full of the fruit of the Spirit and be good representation of you, Jesus. May we see people that are attracted to you through how we live and how we speak. We give you this and every day in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to pray if you'd like. Feel free to stay and pray as long as you'd like. Go today and be kind to the people you interact with. God bless you.